I want to begin with the, the old familiar verse, Psalms 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. David, the little, this was written by the little shepherd boy who learned to realize that his shepherd would meet all of his needs, and he went from a little shepherd boy to the shepherd king. And he was a man who was called after God's own heart, who God used mightily in spite of his shortcomings. I'm thankful that God doesn't call us according to our shortcomings. He calls us according to his word and his truth and what he did on Calvary for every one of us. There was a 17th century London Puritan named Thomas Watson. And after 16 years of faithful service as a rector, as a, a preacher and a college professor, he was imprisoned and taken from his classroom unjustly because of his political views. That doesn't sound like the 17th century, does it? One thing for sure, that what we're dealing with is not new. A lot of people says, oh, you know, this generation is dealing with so much new stuff. It's coming waves from the fall of man. And we just have to deal with it, keep looking to our Savior and realizing he's a, a God that's standing in the shadows that has not relinquished any of his authority or power. We can trust him all the way to the grave and into eternity. Well, this man was taken from the classroom for his, for his political views, and he wrote a book in the midst of this persecution. I wonder what kind of book would you write if you were taken out of your, your occupation and falsely accused and imprisoned for political purposes? I know mine would probably be a pretty scorcher talking about injustice, talking about the system, talking about everything that we hear up to date now. But this man wrote a book because the Lord is his shepherd. He wrote a book, and it was entitled, well, it, it was, uh, he penned it from the scripture, Philippians 4, 11. If we have that, I don't know if we have the PowerPoint. Okay. It says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. This book was entitled The Art of Divine Contentment. Here he was, accused unjustly, taken out, imprisoned, his career ruined, his uh, uh, character marred, and his concern was finding the contentment of God, being contented in whatever state he's in. Why? Because the Lord was his shepherd. And he knew that God could take care of him. Mark Wilson is a, a professor on the East Coast of a Christian college. Wilma and I had the privilege of meeting him last winter where we winter in Florida. He was a, a, one of the evangelists at the camp meeting we have where we stay. We have a camp meeting each year for a week. And he wrote a book called Filled Up and Poured Out. And if any of you like a good read that will encourage your heart, that's a good one. Mark Wilson filled up and poured out. Well, he points out that Watson's main point was that we need to have a gracious spirit, that a gracious spirit comes from the power of God to help us to be content. 
And he said, until we learn that, we've not really learned to be a Christian because a Christian trusts God and, and asks him to help. That's a, a pretty straight talk, but I, I kind of agree with it. The doctrine of contentment is much needed in every one of our hearts, especially in this day and age that we're facing the same old, same old, just maybe on a larger scale. And until we've learned this, we'll not truly have the contentment that we need to reach the world. Some of us, the difference between contentment and persecution or struggles is whether we're a fan of Jesus or we're a follower of Jesus. A fan knows him, sees him, may know where he's at, but doesn't get close enough to have a relationship. A follower has an intimate relationship. It's kind of like where where, uh, Jesus said, uh, or the word of God said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Well, it didn't say believe in him because if we believe in him, we're acknowledging his existence, but it doesn't mean that we're trusting him. But if we believe on him, we're trusting him to be the shepherd of our life, the keeper of our gate, the provider of our needs, and the encourager as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Today, I'd like to talk about three signs of discontent. The three signs will help us tremendously in, and I want to point this out, measuring our own heart. I'll say that again. It'll help us measuring our own heart. Sometimes we have a tendency to measure someone else's heart, and we're not called to do that. Measuring our own heart and assisting others in navigating life's perplexities. Now, we can uh, measure our heart, but we need to assist in encouraging others in their navigation in their perplexities. Amen? These three topics were written in Watson's book. One sounds like 17th century terminology, and I will break it down to layman's terms. Vexatious repining. I have no idea what that was when I read it, so I googled vexatious pining. Vexatious is causing, an anno- causing annoyance. Anybody ever get annoyed here? You have annoyances? I had an annoyance just as soon as I woke up this morning. I walked to the window. Those of you that know me know I love my my yard, my landscaping, and I work hard on putting pretty flowers out there. And it just speaks to me when I walk to the window and see all the beauty. Well, there's some little critter that's been coming in our yard at night. And he's been digging up my potted plants and throwing the flower out on the ground. Well, I've got one thing taken care of, and then yesterday there was another. And then today I thought, well, you know, I've got all my bases covered. I looked, and I spotted something red in the ground cover. And I backed up, and sure enough, there, were only, there was only one flower in the pot that used to be two. So there's annoyances. They can be small annoyances, or they can be really major annoyances. It doesn't matter. It's according to how we respond to them of how, whether they will rob us of our contentedness or not. Fortunately, I just went out there and replanted it and said, the live trap's coming out tonight. 
But in layman's terms, there's a frustration or worry, a repining as feelings of expression or discontent or ungratitude. We could think things over and over and over our mind. I could still be mad about, I think it's a raccoon, I don't know. Squirrels don't work at night, I don't think. Possums don't climb fences. I've got good neighbors. <laughs> but if we're not careful, we can stew about things. We can stew about something someone said to us, whether it's a cashier or a, a waiter or our, our loving spouse or our children could say, and it just, if we're not careful, it can attach itself to us. And all of a sudden, we can feel annoyed, frustrated, or we can worry about something. And then we can begin to talk about it and voice it, and all of a sudden, it robs us of our contentedness. And when, there, when we're in that state, I don't believe there's a man, woman, boy, or girl that's going to say, you know, I admire them for that. I want to be as miserable as they are. I want to be annoyed all my life. In layman's terms, this means fretting or stewing over problems, annoyances, and disruptions. It's working yourself up into a dither. Ever see anybody work themselves up into a dither? I'm pretty good at it. I'm not preaching as if I've attained on this message today. I'm struggling forward with all of them. Mark Wilson again says, Potatoes and carrots prove, improve greatly with stewing. The longer you stew, you know, vegetables, things better they get. Troubles never do, though. Agitation and aggravation rarely help the situation, but they rob us of our contentment. Overreacting, anybody? I won't ask a show of hands. Anybody have a tendency to overreact? Bearing resentments, just carrying something on, and you just begrudge and don't like that person anymore because they did something. I knew a man and woman I, I, I pastored in a little town in Randolph County, and they were the sweetest couple, and they were in their 80s. And I went to their house to visit them and have prayer with them. And as I was getting ready to leave, he said, Pastor, do you think we could talk to you about something that's, that's a, been a hard area in our marriage. I thought, 80 years old, been married 60-some years? And he said, when we were newlyweds, I made a big mistake. And my wife and I were praying together, and we were so thrilled. And I, she prayed a long time, and I made a comment about her long prayers. And all of a sudden, her head goes this way, and she's not looking at him, and she's mad as she was the moment it happened. And he says, she has never prayed out loud since then, ever, not even for a meal. And I looked at her, and she had that head cocked, and she wasn't looking. She was holding on to that resentment with all she had. And I said, well, are you sorry? Have you asked her to forgive you? I said, I can tell your heart's broken. He says, yes, I have. And I said, won't you forgive him? And she turned her head and said, no. If we're not careful, we can carry resentments to our grave and damage everyone around. Resentment and bitterness is the poison that we drink hoping it'll hurt someone else. 
Criticism, hatred, resentment, and bitterness is the poison that we drink hoping it'll hurt someone else. Sometimes we blow a gasket and we're as wrong as the original offense was that we're protesting. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we blow a gasket and we're as wrong as the original offense we're protesting. Maybe that's what Jesus meant when he spoke about removing the plank from our own eye before attempting to remove the speck in someone else's eye. That reference is in Matthew 7, 5. Many times our sinful reaction is the plank that's in our eye and we're unable to help because of our offense and our reaction. Watson had learned the art of contentment. And when he was upset with those, he didn't, he dealt with the speck in his eye by learning to be content in whatever situation he was rather than paying them back. Martin Luther King Jr. said, loving your enemy is simply not doing them harm when the opportunity presents itself. Now to do that, you have to let go of bitterness. You have to let go of, of uh, resentments or you will wait for the moment like a curled up snake ready to strike and our carnal nature will get you real quick. We're all the same. Second one is childish despondency. Many people, many adults spent, uh, some, I shouldn't say many, some adults spent a life, a childhood and their adolescence feeling unloved, knowing that their parents had other agendas rather than being parents, and you were just kind of there and they were waiting for you to, to get grown. I, I dealt with that. There's a, a depression that comes with it as an adult, and sometimes it will overtake us, and we never know what might trigger it. But if we're not careful, our childish despondency can rob us of our contentment. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. It's just a good excuse to be self-centered. Being overburdened with cares, a heavy-heartedness for the wrong reason. I'm not saying we can't have a heavy heart. I had a heavy heart the other day. I, I met someone that I worked with 35 years ago at Lowe's when I was buying some landscaping stuff. And the man had lost a tremendous amount of weight and could hardly talk. His voice was just, it sounded painful. And I didn't ask any questions, but it was, it, he was so on my heart after I left. And I, I didn't have his phone number, but I looked his Facebook up and private messaged him and told him, you've been on my heart ever since I met you this afternoon. I don't know what the situation is. I'm assuming you're not well, but I want you to know I'm praying for you, and I trust that God will help you. Well, there was a wonderful response came out of that, and there's kind of a reunion coming, so I'm thankful but if we're not careful, we can be overburdened or have a heavy heart for the wrong reason. I had a heavy heart one time because I was being mean and I was mad at someone. And, and uh, when I was 20, we had a coffee house, our, all of our college age group back in the 70s. 
and we shared our testimony and prayed, had a wonderful time. Well, I was upset with somebody, and I was walking down the hallway, and here she came, and I was like doing anything but looking at her, trying to get away, and she stepped right up in front of my face. She's a dear friend of mine, and she was then. I was just being carnal. She said, I don't know what's bothering you, but I know that you've got it within you to get above it, and then walked on around me. And, you know, instantly I got above it. Oh, God, help me. That name of Jesus can help us in situations that, that we're holding on to that we don't even want. Sometimes we'll hold on to things that we don't want. Mark Wilson again states it's like a canoe overloaded with rocks beginning to sink or take on water. This is the time that he talks about that sometimes we need to measure our own heart. And before attempting to navigate the river of life with such a heavy load, it might be better to ask, why are we carrying all the rocks in the first place? Why am I carrying this? How is it benefiting me or my family or my work, my job, my ministry? Instead of carrying around such grievous weights, whether it's fear or problems or depression or weight from the past, we need to just give it to Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast means to roll upon, to roll it upon God. If it's too big to carry, you need to roll it. That's where the old song goes that I used to sing when I was a kid. Roll away, roll away, roll away. Every burden of my heart, roll away. Roll it to God. Cast means to throw it away from you and to cast something or to throw something. What do you have to do? You have to let go of it. Allow God to take care of all these things that weighed us down and, and hinder the navigation that he's wanting to do in our lives. Psalms 55, says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Sustain means to strengthen and support you. If you cast your cares on him, he will support you. He will sustain you in that moment. When you're sinking with that heavy load, give it to him, and your boat will float easier, and you can navigate life's situations a lot easier. We need to take our burdens to the Lord by faith and leave them there. The neat thing about it is the foot of the cross, the ground is level. We're all on the same plane. There's no big I or little you. We're all in need of the blood of Jesus, and he's, we've been given that name above all other names. Thirdly, uneven discomposure. Philippians 4, 5 says, let or allow your moderation to be known unto all men that the Lord is at hand. Moderation is free of extremes. Don't get extremely upset or extremely depressed. Give your concerns and the things that are attaching themselves to you to Jesus. Sometimes that's our last resort when really it ought to be the first item of the day. When we get out of bed, begin to talk to him. Uneven discomposure, disturbed or agitated. This leads us into panic mode. Have you ever got into panic mode? I'm good at this. 
something happened, throw me off, and I, I just panic inside. Somebody disagree with me, I panic. Okay, they're going to discredit me. They're trying to make me out a bad character. They're trying to do this. When all of a sudden, when, what they really was is they just didn't agree with what I said. This leads us into imagining the worst case scenario and then worry it into existence. A lot of times we bring our own problems on ourselves because we worry it and worry it and make it, make it happen. Well, she's going to be mad at me. I tell you what, I'm going to do this. And before long, you just agitated your wife to the point that they are mad at you. Get over it. You know, pray. Ask God to help you. Sometimes we think our spouse can make us happy. And I'll say that again. Sometimes we think our spouse can make us happy. We find happiness in marriage as the husband and the wife find joy in serving Jesus and we share in one another's joy. If you can make me happy, I want you to make me rich. Okay? We can't make each other one, one way or the other, but we can share in our joy. We can share in our contentedness. We can share in our discontent. We can share in our agitation. One gets agitated and starts repining, the other one jump on board and you both go under. Or the other one can say, well, let's pray, let's pray. You know, lift it to Jesus. It's not that bad. But we have enemies of our contentedness that wants to rob us of our joy and our peace and our happiness and our witness to the community. There was a girl, that, the same girl that told me I could, really needed to get over what I was in. Went to school with her all through high school. She was a godly young lady, a godly, normal young lady. Just participated in all the things but she, she had a joy in her that aggravated me because I didn't have it. At that time, I was uh, struggling with the loss of my grandmother, struggling with a, a very embarrassing divorce in our small community of my parents, uh, all kinds of dysfunction. And so I was turning to other substances to try to make me happy and stop feeling the way I was. And I remember in math class, which I did not like math. I still don't. Somebody said, you ever read a book that makes you cry? Algebra one. <laughs> but we were sitting there, and I was watching her. She was a few seats up, and she was happy. She had her book open, and she was sitting there just happy. She had such a peace and a joy on her, and it made me so mad. I thought, I have to do something to try to be happy, and there she is sitting in class, just enjoying life. Well, little, little did I know, and finally I found out it was the joy and the peace of obedience to Jesus Christ that brought her that happiness. And I'm glad to say I don't have to do something to be happy now. I'm thankful for the joy that God brings in our obedience to him. Joy comes from obedience, and it leads to the next strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It gives us strength for the next 
situation where we deal with something. Uneven discomposure. Discontent, in a nutshell, is described like this, and I've seen it over and over and over, and I've seen it destroy marriages. I've seen it destroy relationships. I've seen it destroy careers. If you're not happy with what you've got, you'll not be happy when you get what you have. A person that's discontented always, always wants something else. And when you get that something else, then after a while, they need something else. When I hear a husband say, I need to get my wife a new car to keep her happy, I know there's trouble there in that household. How do we rid ourselves of discontent? How do we rid ourselves of the unhappiness that tries to settle on us? How do we find peace through life's struggles? The answer lies in finding our contentment in Jesus Christ. And that's not just a good cliche. That is allowing him to be your shepherd, to meet your needs, to provide for you, to fight for you, and to correct you. Our joy and obedience, and he's our strength through his spirit. This is, I think, the most important statement I'm going to make today. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. It speaks to the world, and people begin to ask questions. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I'd like to read the whole six verses of the chapter of 20, uh, Psalm 23 as Lexi and Nolan are, are getting ready to, to lead us in the closing song. A lot of times we know it, we read it, but we don't stop and, and realize what God provides for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Sheep are skittish, and a lot of times they won't drink from a rushing stream. And the shepherd knows where the quiet waters are to where they can drink to their full and be satisfied. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, it's all about him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. There is a desert area where, people, where in the uh, biblical days, people had to walk through that area, and it was barren, and there were craters in it, and there were deep shadows, and pirates and thieves hid in the shadows of that. And their lives were threatened each time they went through. And this is in reference to that. I will, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, either the, even though we know our enemies are watching or the enemy is watching and wanting to take our life, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
and my cup overflows. Surely, these are two good friends that we are guaranteed to have as if, if the Lord is our shepherd. That'll follow us all the days of our life. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Again, you've got two good friends, goodness and love, or goodness and mercy. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what it's all about. So I want to encourage you as they, as they come to sing, that you can stand or sit. If you need help, come to the altar. If you need prayed for, I'll be glad to pray with you. But we've been given that wonderful name of Jesus that can help us defeat every foe that wants to connect themselves to us and rob us of our contentment. I speak the name of Jesus over you In your hurting, in your sorrow I will ask my God to move I speak the name cause it's all that I can do In desperation I'll seek heaven and pray this for you I pray for your healing circumstances would change I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus name I pray that a breakthrough would happen today I pray miracles over your life Jesus name in Jesus name I speak the name of all authority declaring blessings every promise he is faithful to keep I speak the name no grave could ever
want to encourage you to take the name of Jesus with you today. Speak it over your children, over your marriages, over your life, over your circumstances, and pray for breakthroughs that God will help us to allow God to be our shepherd and provide for us. Pastor Cole wanted me to remind you one more time before you left to get the schedule of events for this summer as you leave. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today for your blessings, for your goodness. We thank you for Lexi and Nolan coming and leading worship and uh, sharing with us, taking us to the throne. And I pray, oh God, that you will meet the need of everyone here, that we will embrace you rather than allow things to attach themselves to us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.